If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. I just had to pop into your feed today because there has been some huge updates in the Elizabeth Membrate case. Before I get into it, I suggest that you go listen to the story of Elizabeth Membrate if you haven't already. I covered it back in August of 2022, so you should go listen to that episode first and then come back for the update. If you listened back when it first came out, I'll give you a super quick refresher. Elizabeth was 22 years old when she vanished from her Melbourne apartment in December of 1994. After her boyfriend and her family couldn't get in contact with her, they went over to her apartment and found no Elizabeth, but a massive bloodstain in the hallway. Her purse was missing, along with some of her bedding, and police determined that by the amount of blood, Elizabeth had been killed in her flat. They believed all along that she had known her killer, as Elizabeth seemingly had willingly let this person into her apartment very late at night. The evidence further pointed to the theory that the killer then transported Elizabeth's body in her own car, and that her body was dumped in either the Ringwood or the King Lake area. A number of people were looked into, but two men were particularly of interest to the police. One was the bouncer at the bar where Elizabeth worked, and the second was a frequent customer of that same bar. His name was Shane Bond, and he was eventually charged with her murder and put on trial. Several people had come forward saying that Shane had confessed to them about killing Elizabeth because she refuted his advances. Some said that he told them that he had slit her throat, another said he told them that it was an accident and that she had fallen and hit her head, Shane's roommate also testified that Shane had come home covered in blood one night around the time of Elizabeth's murder, and apparently he had blamed it on him biting his own tongue due to an epileptic fit. Many others said that Shane had told them that he was dating Elizabeth, which wasn't true because she had a boyfriend, so it did seem like he was pretty infatuated with her. While all of that does seem pretty damning, I really emphasized in my episode that there was no physical evidence linking Shane to the murder. Unidentified fingerprints were found at the apartment, but they didn't match Shane. Shane was eventually found not guilty, but many, many people still believe that he had gotten away with murder. But now for the update. With new evidence, it appears that Shane was telling the truth all along. He had nothing to do with Elizabeth's murder. During Shane's trial, his defense team tried to argue that there were other persons of interest that weren't investigated as much as they should have been. And one of those persons of interest was Elizabeth's roommate's brother, 
whose name has not been released. The brother had been looked into in the early stages of the investigation because it was known that he had a key to the apartment at the time of the murder because he was a plumber and he was apparently fixing their kitchen. In the episode, I mentioned that police not only believe that Elizabeth knew her killer, but it would have been someone who knew that her roommate wasn't home that night. The roommate had recently broken her foot and was staying with her boyfriend at the time of the murders, and the killer must have known this. The roommate's brother would have definitely known that Elizabeth was at the apartment alone that night, because he would have known that his sister was elsewhere. While I don't know why he was ruled out as a suspect, he was officially ruled out. An article that was posted yesterday said that he'd always been one of the police's suspects all along, which may be true, but I read an article from 1995 that he had been ruled out. Either way, new DNA evidence has now surfaced. The roommate's brother was later convicted of rape in Queensland, 20 years after Elizabeth's murder, and when he was arrested, his DNA was collected and entered into the national database. Police have now announced that his DNA has matched DNA found inside Elizabeth's car, which, remember, they believe the killer drove to dispose of the body. The suspect defended that finding by saying that he had driven Elizabeth's car prior to the murders because he had moved it so it wouldn't block his sister's car, so it wouldn't be parked in. However, the roommate, his sister, says that he has never driven Elizabeth's car, and the story about being parked in doesn't make sense because their parking spots were side by side, so the cars wouldn't have blocked each other at all. But there's so much more. On top of that discrepancy, there's also an issue with his alibi. When he was first questioned back in 1994, he told investigators that he had gone to a hair salon that day, but couldn't get an appointment because they were too busy. When police checked with the salon, though, nobody recognized the suspect. Now, I also want to point out that Elizabeth was attacked after midnight, so I'm not sure that even having an alibi for during the day would help you but it does seem like maybe he lied about that. In that same interview, he told police that he drove a brown V8 Commodore, yet his friends say he actually drove a blue Tirana. This is important because a blue Holden Gemini was spotted parked outside the flat during the day, just hours before Elizabeth was murdered. After the murder, the suspect fled Melbourne and cut off contact with several friends and family members. He also had an arm injury when he left town, and his arm was actually in a cast. So I'd love to hear how he got that injury. While the suspect was on injury leave at the time of Elizabeth's murder, his job title was an excavator. And according to his friend, he had borrowed a backhoe shortly after, explaining that he needed it for work. But, like I said, he was on leave, so he wasn't working. He's an excavator who borrowed a backhoe. But there's still more. People had come forward to tell police that he had said some very suspicious things surrounding Elizabeth's disappearance and presumed murder. First off, witnesses say that he told them, quote, Liz is in a safe place, end quote, and, quote, they won't find the body. There's a lot of bush around there, end quote. A relative said that when the suspect was asked about the missing woman, he said, quote, she's in a river, end quote. 
Another friend came forward to say that they found a woman's wallet inside his car, again shortly after the murders. It was made of leather, just like Elizabeth's wallet that was missing from her flat. Others told police that the suspect was obsessed with Elizabeth. He'd allegedly gone over to the apartment three days before the murder, but Elizabeth refused to let him inside. More than six times, concerned relatives and friends of the suspect contacted police to nominate him as a good suspect, informing them that he had a history of stalking and that he had said some pretty incriminating things. He was also a suspect in a few burglaries in the area. The suspect had known Elizabeth for years, as his sister, who was her roommate, had been dancing with Elizabeth for quite a while. It's very possible that he had been obsessed with her for years, and that night he went over to the flat just after midnight, knowing she was alone. He could have used a key that he had had, or maybe she opened the door for him but refused to let him in. He very possibly forced his way inside, a commotion ensued, and somehow she was killed. Police have not released any information on whether, with this new evidence, they believe it was premeditated or if it was manslaughter. We don't know. And remember, Elizabeth's body has never been found. What I read about the suspect when I was researching for my episode was that in 1995, police looked into him briefly, but that he was ruled out. The only reason I could see as to why he was a person of interest was because he had a key. I had no idea that people had nominated him as a suspect that he was knowingly obsessed with her, that he had lied about the car that he drove, lied about having driven her car in the first place. That information was not released to the public at that time. But I'm assuming police knew that because it says that this was all discovered when he was interviewed at first, yet somehow he was still ruled out. Now, I don't want to blame anybody. I don't have all the facts. I only have what's been released to the public, right? So I can't say that police did a shitty job, and I can't say, well, how come you didn't arrest him before? Because, you know, I can't. We don't have the inside scoop. Maybe they had asked him for his DNA, and he refused to give it to them voluntarily. So all they would have had at that time was circumstantial evidence. I'm sure police had reasons for ruling him out or not investigating him further. Maybe they never ruled him out, and that article that I read saying that he wasn't a suspect was incorrect. I look forward to hearing what police have to say about this. With that being said, I am shocked that it took 29 years to put this all together. It seems that if this information was available to the police back in the 90s, this suspect should have been arrested. I don't understand why he wasn't investigated the same way that Shane Bond was. Even though without the DNA in the car, which is a new finding, all they had would have been circumstantial evidence, that's really all they had on Shane, too. And he was taken to trial. They are now considering having a coroner's inquest to review all the evidence, and hopefully police will do a press conference soon and give us more. I really hope they can find out what happened that night. Not only who did it, but why and where Elizabeth's body is. For her family's sake. And, of course, for the justice that Elizabeth deserves. If there are more updates, I'll be back in your feed to tell you about them, and you can follow me on social media. I'll also post some updates on there. But for now, this is really all we have. I'm sorry it's not much. I know it's not an arrest, but it is a huge update in an almost 30-year-old cold case. So this is huge. 
and I'm so happy that Elizabeth's family is finally getting some answers. Hope to be back soon with more updates. Thanks, guys. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.